Hello, my name is Blair Murphy and this is The Bishop's Office, a podcast where I talk to members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints about their conversion, missionary service and life experiences. This week I'm speaking to Adam Thornton about his mission in Sydney. I hope you enjoy it. All right, Adam, it's great to catch up with you today and speak about your mission. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well, thank you. Um, before we jump in, why don't you remind us where you served and when you served? Uh, so I served in the Australia-Sydney North Mission. Well, I was called to the Australia-Sydney North Mission uh, for the years 2016 to 2018. But then it, you know, they combined and became the Sydney Mission just towards the end of my mission. I think it was in the last two transfers that happened. Um, so we'll look forward to hearing more about your, your time in Sydney. Uh, but why don't you introduce us to yourself? Tell us a little bit about growing up in the church and I guess some of the experiences that you had that led to you serving a mission? Yeah. Um, so I, I grew up with a family that they're all members. Uh, my parents, my dad was always, you know, on the bishopric or had callings like that. And I never really like doubted what I learned at church. I always had somewhat of a testimony. Obviously it got stronger as I, my testimony started to become mine and not reliant on my parents. But um, I feel like I had a really good upbringing. You know, my parents had the good balance that taught me what their belief was in the church and how much it helped me, but they didn't force it upon me in a way that I was wanted to reject it or that I thought I just had to believe what they said. But they taught me really how to, you know, find that faith for myself. And so, yeah, like obviously in, in growing up, I was always told, you know, go on a mission and get married in the temple. And I think... Yeah, as the more I learned about it, the more I realized that I really did want those things. And what was your experience in, in youth growing up? What was it like being part of a quorum and, and learning to fulfill your priesthood responsibilities? I grew up in the majority of my youth in Murray Bridge branch. Um, it was a branch at the time, became a ward while I was there. But um, there wasn't actually that many young men in my age group, but there was a lot um, just maybe a few years older than me. And all the young men I grew up with, we had a lot of fun just maybe when I was in deacons and I got to hang out with them when they were teachers and priests. Um, however, a lot of them actually fell away from the church. They'd lost their faith and lost their testimony when it came up to about you know, their mission age. Mm. And so um, I found myself quite alone in my quorums. And so I didn't really have many other people with me. You know, I found that quite hard at times, but I think it also helped me because I, I, I developed the right reasons for going to church. It wasn't just to hang out with friends, but it was um, really to strengthen my own testimony, which which it did because um, I had a lot of these duties where I was having to do, you know, the stack um, home teaching back then and, um, you know, just service. And I felt that a lot of it was on me because I didn't have all these other young men to help me with that. And so it sounds like, um, you know, with your family situation and then with your friends that it fell on you to sort of make, a decision about whether or not the church was right for you, was meaningful for you. How did you go about gaining that testimony? And was it a once-off sort of experience or was it something that happened over a period of time? That's a good question. I personally didn't have any once-off experience that I can remember, you know, growing up around that age. I think it was just me being consistent with doing, I guess what we're taught is the basics of attending church and praying. Although I'd say, you know, my scripture reading growing up as youth was minimal. Like I, I barely read the scriptures. Like I'd read, you know, on the Sundays and I'd participate a lot during the lessons and listen in sacrament. But I didn't find myself reading the scriptures that much during the week. 
But what just clicked with me, I think, is that, you know, it always sat well with me. Like I, I always did feel the spirit and felt that these things that I was learning in church were right. And I saw, you know, the changes in those young men that when they left, I just saw their struggles and I just could tell that they, they almost missed it in a way. Mm. And I knew they were missing something and I wanted them to have it so badly. And I, I'd try and talk to them about it as well. Um, and they're still you know, living happy lives, but I could tell that they were just, just missing out on something. And I, I never wanted to lose that. Um, so I guess in that environment, um, were there people whose example was particularly impactful for you in, in you making a decision to serve a mission? I'd say, obviously, the example of my father, he was really good at uh, fulfilling his callings at church. And there wasn't a night where I didn't see him either reading the scriptures or um, preparing for the Sunday coming. He was my home teaching companion uh, growing up. So that calling was that me and my dad, we would you know, go and visit people that may be struggling. And we, you know, we'd never miss a month. And he'd always prepare really good personal lessons for each family that we saw and each person that we saw. And so, I think seeing that example made me really want to serve others in that way. And in regards to a mission, I actually just always had that as a personal goal. Like I was always really, really wanting to go on a mission. I'd been wanting to go for the majority of my youth. I just love talking to people and I love making new friends. And I just like making new, I like having new experiences. And um, I'd even find myself in school growing up, um, always talking to my friends about, you know, about God, about Heavenly Father and about, his plan for us and his love for us. And I'd love to talk to him about prayer. And I just really like, just really enjoy teaching others about God. And so a mission just sounded amazing to me doing that full time for two years. was just something that I really wanted to do. Yeah. Great. And I love that you referenced, um, well, I guess what we now call ministering. I've always thought that the closest thing to missionary service or that missionary experience is, you know, ministering, in the way that we're taught to, um, you know, we're going into people's homes, we're inviting them to come unto Christ, helping them to prepare for that next ordinance or or that next way that they can feel closer to him. So, um, yeah, I love that you drew that connection. So so tell me about receiving your mission call. Oh, I actually had quite a good experience with that. Well, at the same time, it was quite a bad experience because I'd spent my whole life just itching to go on a mission. I've always wanted to go overseas. Mm. And so I found myself praying to heavenly father all the time just saying yeah please like I've, I've lived a good life i've stayed in the church i've um tried serving you and i'm really wanting to go i can do well please send me overseas so i can have really cool experiences maybe even learn a new language like i was so motivated to pray just because i want to ask Heavenly father this mm. and about two weeks before my mission call came i had this dream where i was sitting on like a couch in my living room and my, I think my mum was on my right, my sister was on my left, and then my father and dad, they were, my dad and my brother were just in front of me, and then my grandparents were behind them. And they're all looking at me with like this intent look and this, this smile, and I had this yellow envelope in my hands. And in this dream, I recognised, oh, this is me opening my mission call. And so I opened the top of the letter and I slipped out the, the piece of paper and, you know, I started to read, you know, Elder Thornton, your call to serve. And then it said the Australia Sydney mission. And I woke up so upset. I think I was even like partly crying, like one of those bad dreams. Mm. And I thought, no, like surely I won't go there. And then two weeks later, you know, I received my mission call. And 
when I received my mission call, my family had surprised me. Um, I was one, I was sitting on the couch. My mum came out. She goes, you know, I've, I've got your mission call. And guess who's here? Then, then the door opens and my grandparents walk in. And I'm like, oh, wow. And so I'm sitting on the couch. I find myself sitting on the couch with a yellow envelope. My mum's on the right. My sister's on the left. My grandparents in the back. And my dad and my brother, I think, just, you know, just in the middle there. And I open my mission call and I start to read it out. And it's, you know, Elder Thorns in your call to serve in the Australia Sydney North mission. And I thought to myself, no, <laughs> like I didn't want to go to Sydney. And I felt really upset, but I didn't actually like in that moment, I thought, oh, it's just like my dream. But I didn't really appreciate that, like that I'd had that dream previously to almost like in a way like warn me and tell me, you know, Heavenly Father's telling me like there is a reason you need to go there. It's not just because, you know, you're in trouble, you've been a bad person. I think he recognised how much I wanted to go overseas, but he had a plan for me in Sydney. And I didn't really realise that principle that he taught me with that until I was on my mission. And, yeah, well, I loved my mission. I was so, I'm so happy I went to Sydney. I had so many experiences there. But, yeah, so the, the mission call in my dream said Australia-Sydney mission. But um, in person, like the real call, it said Australia-Sydney-North. And so on my mission, I was always like, always like, yeah, that was the one thing Heavenly Father got wrong. But then it ended up combining and it ended up being the Australia-Sydney mission. So, And isn't it amazing how um, Heavenly Father tries to um, prepare us and guide us and, you know, soften disappointments and all of that sort of stuff? Of course, he knew Sydney was perfect for you, right? Hey, I'm yeah, just yeah, for sure. It's such a cool experience. And um, are you the type of person that dreams dreams normally or is that the only time it's happened for you? Well, that's a good question. I'd never had anything like that before. That was the first time I ever had a dream. And then, you know, it, I guess it came to pass. And that was the first of many because on my mission, I learned that the calling I was given to represent Jesus Christ and to help Heavenly Father's children come unto him and to Jesus Christ. I was blessed with a lot of inspiration, a lot of help in, in fulfilling that role. And so I had a lot of dreams on my mission where Heavenly Father would tell me something and then, you know, the next day, you know, there'd be a connection to that dream or that dream would just literally be fulfilled. Huh. That's super cool. And, um, you know, in the scriptures, it talks about old men seeing visions and young men dreaming dreams, I think is what it is. I, I don't, I, I don't think that I've ever had that experience really where I've had sort of spiritually meaningful dreams. So that's super cool. Um, and maybe we'll, maybe we'll hear a little bit about that as we talk about your mission more. Um, so you, you head out into the mission field. Tell me about your first impressions of Sydney from a missionary's perspective. Tell me about your experience with your trainer and, and just introduce us to your mission. Yeah. So um, I arrived in Sydney and I thought, yeah, I've been here before. So I'm just back. I still hadn't quite got the right attitude for being in Sydney itself. Um, but I did have the right attitude for doing the work. I was itching to just go out and talk to people. And when I first arrived, obviously, there's a lot of uh, Americans, there was a lot of Polynesians, all these new missionaries to be trained. They were all really nervous. And I guess, you know, because they're in a different country. And whereas for myself, I felt, I felt like I was almost held back that I should have gone earlier on my mission. Mm. Um, a lot of my other friends that I made had already gone on a mission. And I felt like, you know, I was just trying to catch up to everyone. And so I arrived there. I was given a trainer and, you know, a few days of just like meetings and stuff. And then we finally got out into the field. 
and my trainer um, was really, really nice to me. And he's, um, you know, he shows me a couple of examples of how to talk to people at a train station. And, you know, I remember thinking, wow, he is so good at this. Like, how am I ever going to be that good? Um, but I was so determined that straight away, like in that same train station, same day, I just remember trying to talk to everyone. And I was just so excited to talk to everyone. And he was just so surprised. He thought, you know, where's your fear? Like, and I thought to myself, well, I'm Australian. Like, it doesn't, it's just easy for me because, you know, I'm a local. Mm. And I just remember being so excited just talking to those first. I remember the first person I talked to actually was, I think it was at Quakers Hill train station. Mm-hmm. And someone was just sitting on like a chair there. And I just remember sitting on the other side and turning around, doing a weird swivel and then just talking to them while they're waiting for the train. And yeah, it was, oh, it was so much fun. Before we hit record, I asked you sort of about some of the, the lessons that you felt that you'd learned on your mission. And, and I guess one of the things that you highlighted was about God's love for his children, I guess his love for you and his love for the people that you were teaching are there a couple of experiences that you can think of that really highlighted that lesson for you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I had plenty of experiences where I was taught this. I guess that that principle I was speaking to you before we started recording was, yeah, really that I, it amazed me how much God was willing to show me how to help his children. And I knew that was because of his love for them. And then it also amazed me how much he loved me. My mission, I didn't actually find it too hard in the way that, I think my biggest challenge overall is I was still trying to overcome like stress and anxiety, which I used to have before my mission. Mm. And so on my mission, I I think I'd burn out sometimes and I have a lot of stress. And I remember one time where I think I had, I had a really hard companion. It was really disobedient. It was really hard to drag, really hard to drag him along to do the work. He um, kept playing up and doing um, just inappropriate things that you shouldn't do as a missionary. And I remember being really stressed about it to the point where I think I even felt a little homesick for like the first time on my mission. And I was reading through our search for happiness. It's like a book from um, the missionary library, they call it. It was just talking about um, M. Russell Ballard's experience of having like an overwhelming feeling from the spirit, um, which I think helped him with his testimony and his testimony for specifically the love God has for him. And I remember reading that thinking, oh, I wish I could have that right now. I need to feel that love. And then I continued reading. And then the spirit hit me and it's told me, you know, just pray, like stop reading and just pray and then have that experience. And so I thought, okay, um, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll do that. But then I just kept reading. And I thought, nah. And then the spirit came again. I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I should. So I remember just um, getting on my knees and praying then and, just as I was praying, I just heard my name. It was really simple. And uh, all of the stress and anxiety just came right off my shoulders. And it, I didn't realize how much weight I'd had on me at that time until it was lifted off. And I just thought, wow, that is just the most sweet experience. And, yeah, it made me feel amazing. It made me feel so loved. And, yeah, it was, it was a fantastic experience. And I had, I had plenty of them. I had so many of them. Another one that I can remember you asked before about what I did when I first arrived to the mission field. I did one cheeky thing. Um, I went to, when we went to the uh, mission president's home, I found a big sticky note stack on the fridge. And I just remember opening it up right to the middle one. And I wrote like my name, I wrote Elder Thornton and then 
hello XOXO, like exclamation marks and stuff, and then folded it down. But anyway, skip a year into my mission and I'd had another really hard companion and I was trying to, to um, lead a zone and I was really overwhelmed because he wasn't telling me how to do it. He just thought I just learned it all by myself. And I was just super scared and overwhelmed. I had no idea what I was doing. And I remember just praying to Heavenly Father, just like begging him just to take some stress away. And I actually felt really sick. Like I'd been really burnt out. I think I'd been working maybe a bit too hard, getting up too early. I remember even like I had a twitch in my nose. Like that's how stressed I was. <laughs> and I remember writing that in my journal, having a laugh about it. But after praying about how stressed I was and telling Heavenly Father, like I just really needed something. I just got this random text message from my um, mission president's wife saying like, Elder Thornton, hello, XOXO. And I'd forgotten I wrote that note in it. And I was just like, wow, that is like so random. Like it was an immediate answer to my prayer. And so I messaged back like, hello, question mark. Like this was perfect timing, but a bit random. And she said, oh, no, I just found this in a sticky note. And so it was really funny because I wrote that in there at the start of my mission. And then I only really had a couple of times in my mission where I really, really struggled. Mm. And this was one of those times. And Heavenly Father, you know, I don't, it's just the timing. Like I received that message as soon as, I finished praying. Incredible, isn't it? And yeah, and, and, and it helped me personally. Like, like if I got that text message now, I think, no, that's a bit funny. But in that moment, it was what I was seeking, what I was needing. And that's why it meant so much. Yeah. And I, I love that distinction. Funny versus particularly meaningful in that moment. The timing was everything, right? Yeah. Um, and when Elder Bednar talks about those tender mercies, that one of the messages I take from his talk is just that these experiences aren't necessarily miraculous from an outsider's perspective, but they're particularly meaningful to us at those times. And it just shows the way mm -hmm. our Heavenly Father is consciously watching out and over us. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, so that was that was like, I guess, experiences I had that showed the Heavenly Father loved me personally. And I had plenty of them. But I also had experiences where through me, I could see how much the Lord loved the children of God and the spirit guided me a lot on how to, you know, help those come unto the heavenly father and help his children realize how much he loved them. The way the spirit works in the Lord's work was hard for me to grasp, but I did have an experience which taught me quite, like in my first era, I was still in Quaker's Hill and I was sitting in sacrament meeting and I was on one of the pews, but like right up against like the window. So there was, you know, I was sitting with my, you know, against the window on this long pew with maybe like six or seven other people all the way along it. And the window was next to me. And I remember looking out the window and seeing this random person walking around the chapel grounds outside looking a bit lost. And the spirit actually like spoke to me then saying, you know, go get him. And I thought to myself, well, like I should go get him. I'm a missionary. Heavenly Father's like, go, go get him. And then I looked to my left and there's, you know, seven people in the pew. It's the middle of sacrament meeting. And I thought to myself, I can't get up and like shuffle through all these people as well as like, you know, get my companion to also get up and just come with me. I didn't want to speak to him during sacrament. And so it was just like the awkward timing. So I thought, oh, no, no, it's just, I have to sit and wait until after sacrament. And then the spirit again tells me, no, go get him. And so I thought, oh, like that's like, I should probably go get him. And then I ignored it again. 
And then maybe like 10 minutes further into sacrament meeting, I turn around and the man is sitting by himself at the back. He found his way in. And then the spirit tells me, go get him. And I thought, well, like I actually, I should probably go speak to him or go sit next to him. And then I hesitated for a little bit and I see him, he must've gotten up and then he started walking outside of the building and I saw him through the window again. And then a member in front of me, he must've looked through the window as well, turns around and says, go get him. Like the exact words that I kept hearing in the spirit <laughs> from the spirit. And so I thought, Oh no. So I just stood up and I started walking. And then my companion looks at me with an odd look, like, what are you doing? Like sit down at sacrament. And I was like, just trust me. Like, so we quickly, we went outside and I literally like, ran to him with my companion running behind me. And I went and spoke to him and had a conversation about the church and just got to know him and gave him a little mini, mini lesson on the street. And it was good. Um, and, but like nothing came of it. He, he wasn't baptized. He didn't end up being taught or anything. He wasn't even from Australia, he was just a tourist. But what I learned was from that principle was when the spirit told me something, I had to do it. And I reflected at that time about, uh, I think it was president Monson had given a talk about being in a, like a really important meeting. The spirit told him to go to the hospital, but he ignored it. And he waited till after the meeting, when he got to the meet, uh, to the hospital, that member had passed away, but apparently he'd been asking for him. And I remember comparing it to that. And when I heard that member say, go get him, the spirit had also told me that. And the spirit rebuked me in a way, you know, you're here in a mission. You need to listen to me. Like I'm going to be telling you to do things and you need to follow it and you will see miracles if you do. And I remember feeling that I was so disappointed with myself and I promised to myself then that I would never ignore the spirit again. And that was the foundation I had to be able to see a lot of amazing experiences and to have the spirit direct me in many ways through, you know, the voice, through feelings. And then, you know, like you said before, I even had dreams that the spirit directed me to do things. Was it a voice you were hearing? Was it an idea that you were having? I mean, because you could recognize the words that the member said to you. Explain to me what was happening in your head or in your heart during that time. I, I think... In that situation, that was one of the first really big experiences I had. And so when I was sitting there, when I first saw the, the man just walking around outside, it was more of an idea in my head, but mm. I felt the feelings of the spirit. I felt like an urge in a way to mm. speak to him, not the urge of like, oh, this will be cool. Like I can go get someone to teach and my companion will be proud. It was a urge of Heavenly Father needs you to do something. Mm. And and it was more of an idea and I thought, well, obviously it must mean to go speak to him. But then I felt, you know, awkward. I was still a new missionary. I didn't want to be that greenie that walked out of sacrament meeting and kind of disrupted everyone. Mm. Um, but that idea of getting him became like a few solid words in my mind of go get him. And mm. it was like, just like that, just go get him, like really clear. Mm. And then when the member turned around and said it, it was obviously his voice, but it was the exact words and the spirit hit me in a way that it was like I recognized it as mm. not just the member saying it, but as God saying it, like it was through the member. Yeah. And so I think that was a foundation that taught me to recognize the spirit. So then later on, I would have less doubt. I'd still have doubt at times, but I always recognized that it was the spirit. And I thought, this is it. I had just gotten to my next area. So I'd gone from Quakers Hill to the University of New South Wales, UNSW. And it was a really small area, just just next to the uni. And we just kind of walk up and down the street all day, every day. 
And um, I'd actually gotten sick in that area, like really sick. I'd just been out for maybe a week and I just started recovering. And I thought to myself, I can finally get back into it. I reckon I can get back into it. This is the day. And so I told my companion, like, today's the day I'm going to get back into it. If I feel really sick while we're out there, I'll just, we'll just go back to the flat, but I really want to get back into the work. And so walking from the flat, walking down to that main street, as soon as I got into that main street, on the corner of that main street, the second person I saw at a bus stop, I started to walk past him. The spirit said to me, turn back and speak to him because I started to walk past him. And I thought to myself, oh, I've already walked past. Like, I don't want to just chuck a 180 and just be like, oh, hey, man. Like, I thought that'd be kind of awkward. And then I also thought, you know, this is just the first person. Maybe it's just because I'm excited to be out, you know, talking to people again mm-hmm. after being sick for so long. So I started to walk away. Then I thought of that experience I'd had in the sacrament meeting and I thought, no, I need to speak to him because that was pretty sure that's the spirit. I still had a little bit of doubt. And so I turned around and I was just like, hi, <laughs> hi, excuse me. And I started speaking to him and he was a bit confused. He's like, you know, you just walked past that. Like, Why did you decide to come turn back to me? And I was like a bit rusty because it had been a week. And I just straight away said, I was just completely honest. I said to him, you know, God told me to turn around and speak to you. And then I thought to myself, oh, that was so bad. Like this guy is going to think it's so weird now. And he's going to think that's a bit too much. But then he was just amazed. And he just kept asking about it. He's like, wait, God told you that. Like out of everyone, why did God tell you to come back to me? I was like, I don't know. Like I was just walking past you and the spirit said, turn around and speak to him. So, yeah, I'm speaking to you. So obviously there's a reason why. And this guy who was Chinese, the area that I was in UNSW, there was you know, I'd see maybe 90% of the people were Chinese. And so he, and then he says to me and he says, it's really interesting that you did that because I actually lived in Utah for three months and I met missionaries there and I spoke to a lot of them and I had lessons and I even went to church there. And to me, that was amazing because out of all these Chinese people, none of them have even really heard of Jesus Christ before. Yeah. And this is the first, like the spirit's told me to go talk to him. I've turned around, I've spoken to him. And, you know, he'd been in Utah and he'd, you know, where the church is really big. And he'd, he was just amazed that the spirit wanted me to talk to him and him personally. Mm. And he felt God's love then. And he felt that he wasn't forgotten by God because he'd just moved from Utah to Sydney, Australia, that God still knew where he was. But then, you know, I moved to a different area and he actually also moved away. and He lost the missionary's number because we'd been teaching him for a bit and then I moved. But then some missionaries in another area actually ended up just dialing him by accident. When he heard, you know, this is the missionaries, he's like, oh, wait, actually, I've been looking for you because I lost your number. And then he ended up being taught and then um, getting baptized. And I actually ended up bumping into him at a meeting and he told me all about this. And I was like, wow, like, God really loves you. There's There's just too much for this one guy, right? That's just too much. Goes to Utah, comes back spirit's direction for you to speak to him gets lost misdialed you know by the missionaries and then (laughs) reconnects and gets baptized that's just incredible isn't it yeah he was such a great guy too and yeah it was amazing i had a lot of experiences like that that was like one of the coolest stories i guess in chronological order because you know at the end it was a happy ending in a way but i had so many experiences where god would through the spirit like tell me that go speak to people or just speak to them directly. I used to teach someone called Nero 
and he was from mainland China, and his parents worked for the government there, and he had a um, a big fear of being caught learning about Jesus Christ because he knew if people back home found out, his parents would lose their job because they weren't allowed to learn about religion. And as a lot of Chinese people had that same fear, so when we would teach him, he'd be really cautious and he'd um, be like kind of always scared to meet up with us, but he was always motivated. And it was maybe after like the fifth lesson, I said to him, I said, Nero, why do you keep meeting up with us? I know that you're scared to, and I know that your parents will lose their job if, you know, people over there find out. So like, why do you keep meeting up with us? And he says, every time I speak to you, I have a dream that night. And there's this man in like a white robe, like he said, like a white dressing gown or something. And he just speaks to me and walks to me and everything's white. And he's trying to tell me something, but I don't know what he's trying to say. So then I think if I go speak to you, maybe I'll know what he's trying to say. And so I was like, wow, like, who do you think that is? And he says, I have no idea. And then, you know, we talk about Jesus Christ. And the more we spoke about Jesus Christ and taught him about Jesus Christ, the more of a connection he'd make to this dream and to the importance of what we were teaching. And he went from someone that had never even heard of Jesus Christ, who was having these dreams that was telling him that he needed to meet up with us and telling him that he needed to do what we were saying to, to pray, to come to church. Mm. That's so cool. Are there any other experiences that we should touch on before we move on? I guess I'll have like a lot of, stories that people think wow like that's just unreal but i think there's a few experiences which are really simple that maybe doesn't sound amazing to someone else but to me if like it was amazing yeah and one of those was i remember one time i was just driving with my companion and then i had two other missionaries in the car elders that would live with and we we're just going to the to the chapel on like a wednesday for what we call a district meeting, which is where all the local missionaries would come together and we'd have like a bit of a training to help us improve in teaching. And I remember arriving there and we walked into the chapel and I just felt amazing. I just like, it's almost like I walked into a warm room and one of the elders that um, we were driving with, he, t- he turns to me and he says, he's like, wow. And he has the biggest smile on his face. And he's like, wow, I feel the spirit so strong. And I thought to myself, so do I. And it was just amazing the fact that when I walked into that building, I just knew I felt the spirit strong because I knew it was a place that I should always be, like I should always be going to. Mm. And the purpose I was there, like it was good. Mm. And I, yeah, it was just, it was really simple, but it was, it was really amazing, quite nice. <laughs> I guess maybe to finish, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on how your mission has blessed your life since coming home. So you've been home, I guess, almost three years now. How have those experiences framed the decisions that you've made and the way that I guess you make decisions now that you're a, a everyday civilian? Yeah. The mission has blessed me now because I've learned to prioritize a lot. Um, before my mission, I guess my priorities weren't always there. You know, on Sunday, we get taught this principle of Um, an eternal perspective and I think that my mission really helped me focus on that because now I know what really matters if I'm going through a tough time or something doesn't go well I know that there's a reason for it and I know that it will always work out in the end because you know so a lot of like I guess worldly things maybe grades at uni or um, just things with work or 
even some things with family, what really matters is just, you know, what goes into the eternities. Um, it's about my progression with my wife and us trying to make it back to the celestial kingdom to be with our heavenly father. And I think by having that eternal perspective, I'm able to prioritize things such as church and um, such as prayer and um, the Sabbath day and things like that. And the spirit, you know, being able to recognize the spirit has helped me a lot as well. Um, that is probably the biggest thing I learned on my mission was knowing when heavenly father was telling me something and knowing the importance of acting on that, because I, I, I do know that heavenly father loves all of his children and he, he loves me um, and he loves everyone around me and he wants them to be helped. And if I can be, you know, a hand in his work, if I can always be an asset to heavenly father, I want to be because he will, you know, inspire me and reveal things to me to help others. And that's something that I, I know is true because yeah, again, it's just amazing how willing heavenly father is to help his children. And I just want to be a part of that. That's great. No, thank you for sharing that. And um, it's been great spending time with you and hearing about your mission in Sydney. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Bishop. Thanks for letting me um, share these experiences. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing about Adam's experiences in Sydney. It's so cool to hear so many of the ways that the Spirit was speaking to him and guiding him in that work. That's all I have for you this week until I speak to you again here in the Bishop's Office.